As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Dainer and Jay, it's Dainer and all right, welcome into the latest edition to hear that podcast. Growlin' Paul Andrew Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you on a Tuesday. Jay, it's the Burrow Sode. It is. It's the Burrow Sode. It is. Isn't it, though? Isn't it, though? I mean, anytime you can talk about Joe Burrow, uh, Bengals fans rejoice. And embrace it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take stock of all things Joe Burrow at the midpoint. His evolution, what has transpired this year on and off the field, what is next, what is ahead of him on the path, the expectations, who he is right now. And you know Jay's got stats on that. No sad stats, though. You can't have sad stats if you're talking about Joe Burrow. It's hard. It is. I, I actually, so you'll hear from Dan Pitcher uh, and Brian Callahan in this episode. You're going to hear from uh, JT O'Sullivan, who runs the quarterback school and is in the QB analysis game, who took a dive in for us into Burroughs and what he's seen from him this year. Uh, former Bengals backup, who was a backup in like one of my first years on the beat, like 13 years ago. Uh, I remember him specifically. Uh, and so it's going to be good to welcome him into the show. Uh, Mo Egger will come in. We'll talk a little bit some of our favorite plays. Uh, but I was talking with Dan Pitcher and I was saying, you know, the funny thing is, it's kind of hard to find bad stats. Like you're, if you're trying to find the things that show, okay, what's what to work on, the chink in the armor, what's happening here, uh, they're hard to find. He's like, yeah, you know, well, especially, especially when you when you look at it through a specific lens that we're going to today, which was what weeks one and two sort of turned into for Joe Burrow, and that's it. Four interceptions against Pittsburgh, five turnovers total. I mean, I I think that's where the the sad stats start and end. I mean, he has not had many games where, where that has been the case, and he had some rough ones as a rookie year. But yeah, that those you take those first two games out of of this season, and his numbers are already good with those two games. Yep. Take those two games out, and you guys are going to be surprised what what Paul has dug up. Yeah, so we're going to dive into that. I'll have a full story on that uh, coming up uh, tomorrow, hopefully, as long as I can get everything done today. 
Uh, but <laughs> today's story's up. Jay has a story on some of the news of the day coming out, and we'll go over that here in a second, too. Uh, I have a story up on halftime. So, so I've been working on this one behind the scenes for a while, um, and it's gotten pushed back and reconfigured, and I'm really happy with how it came out. It was fun. I would argue rollicking, maybe? Uh, it could have been. Uh, I, I, I want to say thank you to all the players and coaches that humored me as I asked about things like snack choices and bathroom lines and, uh, you know, all the other things. But there's a real story in it that is really fascinating, actually. It's because the thing is with cameras everywhere, like you've got post game celebrations in the locker room, you've got everybody, anything there on the field, there's a million cameras on you, walk ins, walk outs, post everything. It's the last true sanctuary for players where it's just them. It's it, no one knows what goes on there. And my thought was I started the same way with everyone. What actually happens at halftime? Mm. Like what happens in these 12 minutes and the different directions that that question took me with the, I think I don't even know what I ended up with about 15 different players and coaches maybe uh, was fascinating. And uh, I hope people will go and read it. Uh, I had a lot of fun putting it together. It's fun. Um, and also has a little bit, I think, of a insight into why the Bengals have been such a good second half mm-hmm. team, too. I love that very early in the story, you use the quote from Jonah saying fans would be pretty bored or yeah. if they would they would think <laughs> halftime is pretty boring. And the article is anything but he, it kind of contradicts what Jonah had to say. And the other thing is next home game, uh, if there's any left over, I want to ask Nick Cosgray or somebody if they can get me a honey stinger. I want to try honey stingers. I want to know what they are. <laughs> and they apparently they were the t- trust me. People are like, look, there's like a stash back in the training room. It's a special. <laughs> so the honey stingers apparently popular. Give that a read if you have a chance. I uh, I think you will like it. All right, let's quickly pump through some news here. Jay, you wrote about much of the stuff yesterday. DJ Reader activated the 21 day window. Uh, all eyes appear to be that he will be back on Sunday against Pittsburgh. The encouragement continues in that direction. They're optimistic. This activation just the latest. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to understate what his return will mean, and it, especially against a Pittsburgh team, it's going to be cold. That that you figure this is going to be a game where they're going to try to run the ball. They've they've traded away Chase Claypool. It's just this is yes, they would have loved to have had him for that stretch of four incredible run offenses, but getting him back now, and it's not just what he brings X and O wise, but. He's a captain. I mean, he he brings so much more to that that defense. And then you talk the X's and O's, and it's it's what he does, and it's what he creates because he swallows up so much attention inside. It really frees up the linebackers. It frees up BJ Hill. Frees up everybody else. Um, I don't think you're going to see him on any kind of pitch count. And it, it certainly sounds like unless something goes wrong this week in practice. He's going to be out there against the Steelers. This is the game that he and the trainers had circled this whole time is get that extra week with the bye and come back for the the big divisional game. With Chris Evans down with the PCL, mm-hmm. we see the return of Brandon Wilson uh, yeah. off the ASA. Now, not return to the team, but return again into practice, 21-day window off pup. You know, he, he had that, that knee injury last year. He's been working his way back. You know, the potential is if Evans can't go and Wilson can prove himself healthy and practice over the next couple of weeks, you can 
bring Wilson up. He's your special teamer uh, as your kickoff return guy. He can play, you know, uh, I believe the core four is the name, the four special teams groups. Mm-hmm. Brandon Wilson plays on all those, can kind of take uh, Chris Evans' spot there. I mean, Brandon Wilson, the former damn near pro Bowl returner, so people don't people forget how good he was uh, before he got hurt. So, uh, but and and you know, you potentially could have some spot in the safety room if Dax Hill is a backup is now kind of mo- working more as a corner uh, as they they still fight mm-hmm. the attrition that's happening over there. A lot of a lot of things in place. Point being, good to have Brandon Wilson as somebody who could maybe fill in your roster in a couple of different spots. Very very underrated too as. Uh I don't know if it's a gunner outside guy, what they call them on the kickoff return, but he's he, when he was healthy, he was one of the leading tacklers on special teams every year. Everybody thinks about, you know, the year he led the the league in kickoff return and he was a terrific kick returner, but but what he does in coverage is part of what you mentioned that core four, very valuable there as well. Uh, speaking of very valuable Jamar Chase, uh, still on crutches in the locker room, um, which I don't think is necessarily that far from what, you know, we had heard, which it's just about keeping weight off of this whole thing as he heals. No update in a, a notably short response of the, he's doing fine. Like they're, they're mm. not getting into it. Zach Taylor, not going to go down that road again um, of, of trying to talk about Jamar Chase or timelines. Look, I think the Tennessee return is the truly most optimistic 99 percentile uh, timeline. I don't, you know, the, the idea of that happening, I, I don't know how realistic it is, but they wanted to keep that open. That tells you where they view the timeline already. Uh, so Kansas City, uh, maybe that's, where you're kind of looking at it, we we'll see. Uh, but you know, yeah, still still kind of going around on crutches. No real update on Chase. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he's doing any kind of rehab work at all in the practice field this week. He Has was not, in the locker was not yesterday. Yeah, uh, and he was in the locker room yesterday. Uh, declined to talk. Friend politely declined to talk, which is the case sometimes with these guys. They don't want to get into details about the injury. But yeah, we'll we'll see how this progresses. It. By not putting him on IR, obviously they were hopeful that that Tennessee would be the game. We'll see if he can get back for that. Yeah. Gut on that says unlikely, but again, mm-hmm. we'll see how things evolve. Uh Kevin Huber still here. Um, you know, a lot of talk about whether the Bengals would make the move at punter. Him and Drew Crispin, uh, you know, Crispin kicking a bunch at yesterday's practice, whatever you want to make of that. Um the fact that Kevin Huber's still here. Yeah. On Monday, that feels like a move. You had the bye week to figure it out. Darren said they had time to figure it out. That feels like a thing that you would have done come in Monday, like putting them through a Monday walkthrough if you'd already made that decision seems like kind of a weird decision. So perhaps he's still here. Kevin Huber, you you, you were in with that yesterday. Jay is say, Leah, look, you know, I I haven't been very good, but he's he's gonna go out there and for now he's still here. Yeah. And that's the thing is he's, he's talked about and Darren has talked about this, that in using the golf analogy with the the practice range to getting out on the first tee. And um, I think that is a good sign. It, of course, practice doesn't matter. It's all about the game, but it's not as though he's completely lost it and, and he can't do it in practice or in the game. And it's not even every punt in the game. He's had decent punts in games. It's just, there's that one bad one. And if he can, and it's usually the first one. And if he can shake off that, that rust quicker and, and, and get a good start to a game, then maybe you see him stick around. And if he has a bad punt and his first kick in Pittsburgh on Sunday, then 
that may be it. I, I, it feels like he is on the shortest of short leashes right now. But you're right that the fact that they didn't make a move before they came back yesterday suggests he's going to be the kicker or the punter on Sunday in Pittsburgh. All right, that's the news. Uh, let's dive into the Burrow sode. So let's talk about Joe Burrow, where he's at. Um, 35 games into his career, um, he is clearly uh, amongst the best quarterbacks in football. He is clearly a winner. Uh, he's taken them to the Super Bowl. He's done things that nobody thought was imaginable, you know. And we talked to Brian Callahan in, about this, and he said, you know, uh, if I were to go back to my notes in 2020, it's probably unfair that I had mm-hmm. where he's at now as what my project projected trajectory was try saying that fast uh because it it, that's not you know to say that you're going to be this what he is now that quickly in your career is unfair um but he is and and that's Mm. sort of the expectation because of what he brought to the table on off the field everything else his ability to lead the locker room his ability to do all those things off the field which we've written extensively about and there's a book right behind me there's a book about that if you want to read it uh, that we put out, The Rise of Joey Franchise, about all that stuff too, um, is is remarkable. Jay, Let's. I know you've got stats. First 35 games of a career. Where are we at? Yes. And, and this is interesting because, yes, you're, you, a lot of names on this list are our current guys because it's just the, the, nature, the league has changed. But you talk about adjusted yards per attempt – First 35 games of a career, Joe Burrow, eighth all time, 7.96. This is one, Kurt Warner, number two on that list. Dan Marino, six. Ken O'Brien, seven. So there are some older guys on that list. Patrick Mahomes, above everybody else, 9.19. Adjusted net yards per attempt, Joe Burrow, 12th. At six point seven two, and that kind of takes into the the sacks and and, and the mm-hmm. those issues that he's had to deal with, and then it yes the the game has changed and it's a lot more about the short passing, but uh, just straight completion percentage first thirty five games of a career, Joe Burrow number one all time sixty eight point seven percent. So. It's it's remarkable what he's been able to do in in terms of accuracy. Like, it's not cool to talk about accuracy. Like, it's cool to talk about deep passing and like you know all the the stuff you do at the line and the mobility plays and and Houdini Joe, uh, backyard Burrow, right? I mean, all that stuff is fun. The ridiculous consistency of accuracy. To me, and anticipation as part of that is clearly Joe Burrow's number one on-field trait. I mean, that is just shows up over and over and over. And that has gotten better. All right, let's just take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This year has brought challenges. This year has brought those first two games in particular where you played two good defenses. They had great pass rushes. Your line wasn't figuring out. Burrow was still learning about how the league is going to play him, this too high stuff. Uh, and that seeing that in real time, something Dan Pitcher talked about, it's one thing to plan for it all off season and talk about it and go through to go really experience it in real time, uh, was part of this. Um, but his evolution has been those two games as such a learning, a good learning experience that he has made the most of is a big part of what's been the next step in his career. Here's Brian Callahan talking about, the next step in Burrow's career and the evolutionary step that he's sort of taken with his game over these first nine games. This has not been uh, the most ordinary of seasons for Joe dating back to training camp. Mm-hmm. What what have you felt like you have learned about him this year maybe or where has his game kind of developed over this nine-game stretch as he's kind of had to deal with some new things both in the way he's had to play and, and the way you guys have had to play? I think I've seen an incredible amount of growth and maturity uh, in him. Knowing what's required of a starting quarterback, because um, it's not always going to be just go out there and, and throw the ball over the lot, uh, and, and you're going to win the game. And he's had a lot of success doing that over the course of his career, uh, both in college and and in games in the NFL. But the way that he's had to play this year, the way that he's had to adapt and adjust, I think shows an incredible amount of growth. Uh, in his mindset of, of knowing what's required of the great quarterbacks in this league, um, and when it's when you have to manage, when you have to be great, when you have to be a baller, and when it's time to be a baller, to be one, and he's got the ability to do it, uh, and then when it's time to just manage sometimes, and I thought that um, he's shown great patience and uh, learning how to cover, learning how to dissect coverages, uh, knowing where to go with the ball when it's a first and ten. I, you know, one of my favorite plays was. Um, you know, two weeks ago where he just – we had a first and ten in the red zone. We tried to take a shot at the end zone. We didn't have it, uh, and he just threw it away. And it was like that's – to me, that's that's growth and, and knowing how to play the game as a quarterback. Um, and then my favorite play maybe of the whole year happened in this in this game yesterday was um, the empty snap where he brought Tyler in to, to protect on the backside, and we threw a, a little out route to Trent Nurin. Well, we had studied that blitz during the week and talked about the answers that we might have. And – his ability to draw on those things in the moment has always been one of his strengths, but he's done it at such a much more efficient level. And it's not always about trying to score a touchdown. It's about trying to get us into a, a better play than what we had or, or keep a, a play that's probably going to be negative into something positive. And there's small examples. It was a, I think it was a second second down, and we got a, we ended up with a first. But it was a unremarkable play for the course of the game. But for how he operated, what he did, and then to execute it in a moment um, was was really fantastic quarterback play. And I think that's what he's done more and more is found a, is found ways to execute things that are seemingly uh, unimportant and minuscule 
knowing how important or the grand scheme of things how important it all really is and I think that's part of his growth is uh, being able to manage all of those things as a starting quarterback and then when it comes time to to, to make a huge play he's made some huge plays and, and I think that's always going to be who he is you know the phrase when it's time to just manage sometimes, right, I think is what it is, right? It's understanding a little bit better through reps, through time on task. Burrow has said his entire career, and and so is Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, Dan Pitcher, is it's always about banking these reps, banking what teams mm-hmm. are showing you. He's so smart. He's so good at figuring stuff out in the moment like Brian was talking about there that just having all of that stuff in the back and under allows you to do something like focus more on the game management aspect and big picture of when you should take the shot, when you should be a baller, when you should check it down quickly. And his evolution this year has been that has been really hitting high probability on making the right decision on baller check down, right? intermediate, take the shot, don't take the shot, hand it off, run the RPO, hand it to Mixon. Like just doing that at such a higher rate was partially a learning experience of it blowing up in his face and against Dallas and Pittsburgh in week Mm -hmm. one and two. Yeah. And if you think about it, I, I, that first interception, the one that Minka returned in that first game, that was a bad decision. That was a force it in there. The other ones haven't been decision problems. They, they been recognition. He hasn't seen, Defenders, the TJ Watt one, you just check chalk that up to being an, an incredible player. It had it, you have really seen this growth from him in, in that regard of of knowing when to take the shots and and when to just check it down, take what's there. When Brian mentioned that play that he called unremarkable because it is, I I went and looked at it. I wanted to. I, I was like, I don't remember that play and so it was he said he thought it was a second down it was a second down and 10 um they were already up 14 to nothing and you see it where where joe it as soon as carolina lines up he knows they're blitzing he knows what side the pressure is coming from and he he does the the hand signals for the audible and as soon he knows the pressure is coming off the his right side as soon as he catches the ball he's on the move he's rolling left waiting he knows exactly where he's going waits for trent Irwin to come out of the break hits him perfectly 14 yard gain you know if if he doesn't recognize that maybe it's an incompletion and it's third and 10 or maybe it's worse it's a sack and it's third and long they're up 14 nothing at that point Obviously, they the way they rolled through that, they went down that they used that first down conversion to go down and get another touchdown. But if that's third and long, maybe that's not a conversion, and maybe that's not jumping out to a thirty-five to nothing lead. It's just there's there's so many people get enamored with the big deep throws, and there, there's so much more to to what Burrow has has grown as a quarterback. Just these little things, and it's just. It's fascinating to talk to the guys that are on the inside and <clears throat> see it playing out and seeing the plan develop like Dan Pitcher, like Brian Callahan, and you really see how far – it sounds crazy to say how far Joe Burrow's come because he was – everybody knows what he was coming out of college, number one overall pick, greatest college season in history, but there's always room for growth. And, and 35 games into his career, he has come a long way. Uh, you know, uh, 
a noted chess fan, you know, kind of mm. continuing to hone his craft on the chess nature of the NFL. Um, one part of that that has been a big jump from. So I, I did a whole look extracting weeks one and two. Let's take the learning experiences out. Who he's been <laughs> against everyone weeks three through ten. What, a couple of things stood out to me. First of all, you can't find something where he's below sixth in the league in almost everything. <laughs> he's first through fourth. So EPA per drop back, he's third. Adjusted net yards per attempt, he's second. Yards per attempt, he's fourth. Passer rating, he's second. Completion percentage, of course, he's first. Off-target percentage, so accuracy, first, as you might imagine. He's been that. He was that last year as well in both of those spots. Um, here's one that stood out to me, though. This is a, this is a sort of a filtered uh, PFF stat. Short passing completion percentage, so something that's been a bigger part of his game this year, having to be understanding when to do it, doing it faster. He went from eighth in the league last year to first this year over this week three to 10 of he is hitting, this is insane, 88.3% of his passes from zero to nine yards. That's 83 of 94. That is 5% better than anyone else in the league. Okay. When teams are forcing him to do it, he puts it on the spot. He gets it completed. They get positive yards out of it. It keeps him in a better spot on down and distance. And that has been a that that that's just so massive for keeping you out of this line that's okay out of second and twelve, third and twelve. Yeah, because I mean he was good last year. He wasn't this good, but a lot of those last year were those oh shit plays. Where here comes the pressure, and he's you're you're just trying to get rid of the ball any means possible to avoid the sack. And yeah, you're going to miss a few of those. And it just goes back to what we've been talking about now, where the recognition he knows where the pressure is coming from. He knows what the defense is doing. He knows he's going to have to check it down before he before he actually checks it down. And that's that's how you get to eighty eight percent. And you combine that with what he does on these intermediate passes, and yeah, the deep shots too. He's pretty accurate there. That's He's a hard, hard guy to stop. So what this does, you know, all that that his his time to throw has also improved. Uh, Kim, let's pull up the, for our YouTube folks the pressure stats. So when you take a look at this, um, the Bengals pressure numbers, it's it's really interesting because one that I've circled on here is the PFF pressure percentage last year, ranking nineteenth in the league in PFF pressure percentages is out of about 35 qualifiers fifth this year in pressure percentage. He's getting it out faster to avoid those hits, to avoid those pressures and his time to throw has gone down from 2.6 to 2.4. That has gone from 10th in the league to third fastest. So he's, he's had to get faster, but here's the thing. Remember those stats that I told you, it's not taken away from his efficiency in creating big plays, his EPA, his, uh, his yards per attempt, his adjusted net yards per attempt. All that is still top five. <laughs> you haven't lost the explosion. You just, you've extracted the negative, right? Understanding how much the negative was just killing them against Pittsburgh and against Dallas and what that does. And that has been a big part of it. And just seeing that. And that is game management, situational game management. 
And that's a, such a big part of who he's been. And, and it, it keeps pressure, it keeps hits off of him, keeps him cleaner and all those other things. And, uh, and, you know, even sack percentage down from 40th over the course of last year, regular season and playoffs to from weeks three through 10, 15th. And I know everybody loves to see that. We can pull those stats back because you know who really loves to, to see that, Joe? Uh, Jay? Mo. Mm-hmm. Mo loves seeing fewer hits hey! on Joe Burrow. I know you do. Yes. yes. <laughs> because we like being, we could talk about games that Joe Burrow plays instead of talking about Joe Burrow's rehab or throat or pinky or NCL or appendix or any number of Joe Burrow ailments. We prefer talking about Joe Burrow completion percentage. No question. Um, yeah. I like talking about Joe Burrow statistically and, and not Joe Burrow, what he could be. And so, um, you know, look, I mean, somebody asked me the other night, the, the key to the second half of the season, there's going to be a time this year uh, if this team is going to go where I want it to go, where so many of us want it to go, where he's going to have to put this team on his back. Maybe it happens against Pittsburgh in a game that they should win. Maybe it happens uh, against a better opponent in a game that maybe it looks like they're going to lose. Um, there, there's going to have to be that moment. That's that's why you know, I keep saying they're going to pay him a half billion dollars. That's that's why there's going to be if this team is in the postseason and if they make a run, there is no Burrowman and likely multiple. And I can't wait to see what they are. Here's the game we wanted to play, and and that is because everybody I think has these, and there's a million that you it, that you could choose from. Is because we're talking a lot about Joe Burrow's growth on this episode. And and mm-hmm. what he's kind of done that's maybe different this year or or stabilizing whatever you however you want to look at it. There's any number of there's either play or maybe a moment. Maybe it was a press conference. Maybe it was something he said. Or maybe it was the flower suit. Whatever. Like you may whatever it is, <laughs> something that made you learn something important about the next chapter of Joe Burrow this year that you thought was the you know the most telling thing. Um, I'll let you go first, Mo. What do you got? Well, if you look at the game book from the Saints game, you'll see with about 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Burrow completes pass 10 yards to T. Boyd, first down. Um, Relatively mundane third down conversion. Uh, Yet that play is my favorite Joe Burrow play of the season. It did not Mm -hmm. win the game. The Bengals were down by five points on a drive that did not give them the lead. But that play... He drops back to pass. There's immediately pressure up the middle. He looks like he's dead to rights on two different occasions, and he is going to take a 10 to 15-yard sack that is going to keep them from going on fourth down. And now the punting game, uh, which has been shaky all season long, they're going to kick it back to the Saints on the road, down five. The season is teetering on the brink. He gets out of trouble once, likely twice, finds Tyler Boyd, 10-yard completion, drive continues. They kick a field goal. Um, Who knows? He may have thrown an incompletion. He may have taken a sack. They still may have figured out a way to win the game. But that play, to me, you can't measure what I saw statistically. Uh, If we're going to go down the road of, you know, which quarterbacks have the best tools, and you start talking about Patrick Mahomes and and maybe Josh Allen, um, let's pull up the tape. That's not good. The basement, the basement Wi-Fi is struggling. Apparently, we are we're we're in a frozen situation. Uh, <laughs> you were kind of going in and out a little bit. I don't know if the basement Wi-Fi was uh, was was getting a little I, shaky I, there. I don't I don't 
I don't know what happened. Lost myself, which is not the first. I don't know what was going on there. It's all good. It's all good. Jay, we'll do you go to need you on spiel this again? One. No, no, definitely don't do it again. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, Jay, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, Mo scared me because he said New Orleans game. And I thought, oh, no, he's going to pick the same play as mine. And um, I that that is one of the most memorable plays for, for me of Joe Burrow for the year. But the one that I think if we're talking about growth and evolution and nobody's going to remember this play, so I need to set it up a little bit. So it's in the first quarter. They're already down seven to nothing. Their first drive was a three and out. Their second drive, he misses a deep shot for Jamar on third down. So they have 19 yards in their first two drives. It's the it's the homecoming game in the Superdome. It's it's there's all this going on and on the third drive he he starts feeling it. He goes he completes his first five. He takes a roughing the passer penalty, so you know that's got him jacked up a little more. He he's completed 7 of 8 to get them at first and goal at the 9. And I don't know if Cam can put this picture up um it's first and goal at the nine. He's got Hayden Hurst at the goal line on a curl. And Jamar is going to take it to the post and draw the safety out. And Trent Taylor at the top of the screen there cuts it back. He's open. And the, the pockets collapse. And, and Burrow just throws it out the back of the end zone and, and lives for another play. Instead of trying to force one, we saw what Josh Allen did in overtime against Minnesota, forcing a ball early in the series. And it cost him the game. Uh Burrow had everything working there, and that that was a maturity decision right there to just throw it away, and they did. Two plays later, they scored the touchdown, and so yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Brian, where Brian said it was a unremarkable play that his it was his favorite of Joe's all time. That is a throwaway in the red zone. A lot of people probably forgot about that play, but I think that one really illustrated the growth because he had it going at that point. And, and instead of just relying on that momentum, he was smart enough to get rid of it and move on. Burrow, we've asked him a lot about different things and different ways in, in, to win. And he's talked about one of the things he loves about the NFL and quarterback plays. There's so many different ways to do it. There's so many different ways to win. And, you know, you saw the risk with the Josh Allen way, right? The more gunslinger. Mm-hmm. He has a high amount of turnover-worthy plays and a high amount of big-time throws. And it's it's you're living that high-wire act, and you saw that in a close game against Minnesota. And I think that's why Burrow has always been so good in these close games and in these big moments. It's his decision-making mm-hmm. and then accuracy and anticipation with those decisions has always been a strength of his game, but now it's become so elite as he's banked the what he's seeing so much from defenses um for mine um it's i have two and so i'm just gonna say them both and i'm gonna cheat but mm. one i have a hard time they're owing two the sky is falling after the super bowl fire everyone despite <laughs> the fact they were just in the super bowl joe burrow sits down on a wednesday with us and he says he looks to he look he looked at us. He looked into the cameras. He was looking to everyone at home. He was looking to his teammates in the locker room. Let's all just take a deep breath and relax. We're going to be fine. <laughs> and you know it was reminiscent of Aaron Rodgers with the R E L A X, right? But it was what everybody needed to hear. And that's not talking to fans that were losing it. They're going to lose it no matter what. That's cool. That's <laughs> a, it's an emotional thing to follow this team. Uh and 
it was to everyone. Everyone in the building. You don't think people weren't freaking out internally <laughs> in, in high offices and, 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 and in the locker room? They needed Joe Burrow to do what he does best off the field, and that is say exactly what everyone needs to hear. Let's all just take a deep breath and relax. And from that point forward, it was a very unemotional, logical response to how to fix this problem. We just spent a bunch of time earlier talking about weeks three through 10. They analyzed what was happening. He learned from it and figured out how to better approach this season, this team, and the way it was constructed. And he's been one of the best quarterbacks in football ever since. That and uh, that insane dime he threw against Atlanta on for the touchdown at the front pylon to Jamar Chase, <laughs> where you're just like, okay, we're talking so much about the dink and the dunk and getting the ball out fast. He needs to be able to be a baller when he can be a baller. That is, dude is still a baller. He's still not afraid to use his stinger, as Dan Pitcher will call it when we hear from him in a second. And absolutely sting you with a throw that is just stupid good. Uh, and still has that connection with that guy that is still the ultimate weapon as far as a connection between two players in the NFL. So those are my two where he showed. I, don't forget I still got this. And everyone just relax. <laughs> I think is a part of Joe Burrow taking the next step of leading this team. And that play, uh, the Bengals put up their top 10 plays of the year. That was ne- their number two. Uh, and that was definitely, that was a play that, I mean, Chase said it, Chase said it was the best ball that Burrow has ever thrown. Um, also interesting side note on that play. That's when Jamar went and jumped up in the stands and then jumped down out of the stands. And then shortly thereafter hip injury. Yeah. Uh, what, one other thing about that was the other reason I liked that play was Brian Callahan told us that that was a throw that he has specifically been working on trying to fit into that spot where the safety's coming over because he's already shaded at the short towards chase at the short hash. And you got to get a, you can't just loft it up there. It's got to be a little bit more zip and, and just mm-hmm. into that perfect spot. So they've been, he'd been working a lot on that because that was the way he had to now throw the, that ball to try to give chase a chance and to see that play out in that big spot also reason you know the guy that just keeps learning what the next Hmm. step is and Hmm. stays ahead of the competition on that one all right let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline we got to get to our bets mo do you have any you have any any bets for the week i do oh let's hear them fictional money I think the Bengals are going to go to Pittsburgh and torch the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, they're riding high, coming off a win. TJ Watt is back. They're looking their chops. They beat the Bengals the first go around. Cincinnati coming off a bye. Since this episode is all about Joe Burrow, my money's on Joe coming off a bye. Last week or last year, Joe played a really bad game going into the bye, if uh, if my memory's correct, against the Browns, right? Yep. They they fall to five and four. Oh, boy, what's going to happen? They come out of the bye. They play really well and win. I think that's going to happen on Sunday. I think they annihilate Pittsburgh. This is a bad Pittsburgh team. 
that if you look at the way the Bengals played in the first game, Steelers should have won that game by multiple scores. Instead, they were a bad point after snap away from losing a game in which the other quarterback turned the ball over five times. I will bet my house, my car, the second child that I'll never have, that Joe is not going to turn it over five times against Pittsburgh. He's not going to leave the door open. They're going to win. They're going to cover. It's going to be awesome, and I can't wait. Also, while we're dumping all over bad AFC North teams, give me the Bills in a big bounce-back spot. They're Mm -hmm. laying nine against Cleveland. I gave the Browns a chance this weekend, right? Because on our shows, we've been talking about it's a two-team race. Cincinnati and Baltimore, right? It is a two-team race. And then I'll I'll have Browns fan chirping in my face. Oh, it's not tan, it's a two-team race. It's not a two-team. What about okay, fine, cool. How about you go to how about you play the Dolphins? How about you whack them? Okay. The Bengals aren't playing, the Browns aren't playing. I'm gonna give you close to my undivided attention, along with all the other games. Any UC basketball game. I'm gonna give you some attention. <laughs> go some ahead attention. and enter, enter the race. Do instead you get mauled by Miami. And you know, that Dolphins team does have sort of an, a, a 21 Bengals feel to it which is interesting, yep. but uh, th- what? stop it, okay? You, if it's not a two-team race, enter the race. You didn't. Pittsburgh can't. I think uh, Buffalo drives a, a coffin nail uh, to borrow from Dan Horde uh, in the uh, Brown season, and they, they bounce back after the last two weeks. Josh Allen's not going to throw a bunch of bad picks. They uh, cover the number nine. I'd bet it up to 10 against Cleveland. There you go. Yeah, I'm right there with you, I, I, except I need to catch up. So I, I put the bills in a parlay <clears throat> with, <laughs> <Of course>. with, <laughs> with the Bengals. I'm, I'm not right there with you. I think they win. I, 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 I really don't think there's any question. I, I fully expect them to go to Pittsburgh and win. But that line scares me. Just the way that these games sometimes play out in Pittsburgh. They're tight. They're low scoring. Four and a half, five, whatever you get it at. I, I, I just... I don't know. I, I don't like that. I'm I'm going. I'm going to put 15 fictional dollars on the Bengals money line. I'm I don't even want to mess with the points. Um, and then I'm right there with you. And I and I had in the AFC North whip around. I had the the Dolphins trouncing the Browns. I just the Browns play well against the Bengals and nobody else. And I didn't think they had any chance of ke- keeping up with the the Dolphins. I definitely don't think they have any chance of keeping up with a Bills team that is going to be pissed off after that loss to Minnesota. Um, so I, I'm going to do a $5 parlay. I'm going to go Bills minus nine and a half. I'm going to go Panthers plus 13 and a half. Baker Mayfield back starting mm. against the Ravens, a team he knows well. I just think they can keep that close. I love taking big points anyhow. It's the NFL. You, you just don't see that many blowouts. And then the third leg of the parlay, parlay, which could ruin it before those other games even happen. Thursday night, Titans plus three and a half against Green Bay. I think a little bit of fool's gold. I think Green Bay found something with their run game against Dallas and made that comeback. They're not running the ball on that Tennessee defense. Um, so I, that's my parlay. Bills minus nine and a half. Tit- Titans plus three and a half. Panthers plus 13 and a half. Okay. Jay getting wild over here trying to get out of the negatives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mo, I'm, I do not think that you should be putting any f- even fictional money giving away your car or house. I just want to say I think that's a bad choice. Even though <clears> you're, <throat> you have a nondescript car, uh, I, I still think you should keep it. Would anybody really want either? I mean, that's the thing. If, <laughs> if you're going to take me up on that, okay. I mean, you know, I mean, I had fine a place. Someone shows up at your house after five got turnovers. laws for a few weeks. We'll be okay. Does anybody want this place? I mean, probably not. They definitely want your memorabilia behind you. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff there. 
I mean, there's some, yeah, it's okay. You got to hold you on to that. House, you take you your stuff, the actual you don't house get this, you give away. You don't get, you know, does anybody want a bunch of Reds bobbleheads? Does yes. anybody, <laughs> anybody want some family family photos? Yeah. <laughs> Where that, are they jersey go? Has, that jersey has my name on the back of it. Nobody wants that. Um, uh, my last two, since it's the Burrow Sode, I am going uh, season, this, the preseason number, and it's still right on pace. Was Joe Burrow oh, well, uh, three, 34 and a half touchdown passes on the over under? Uh, he's at 18, uh, two per game. So right on it. Uh, I'm going over. I, I think you're going to see um, whatever nickname you choose smoking Joe, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, whatever, whatever you want to go with. I think you're going to see a whole lot of that despite the defense is getting much better, which we'll document here in a minute. Um, over the second half of the season, I'm going over 34 and a half touchdown passes uh, for him on the season. And then I will, um, I'm with Jay. Don't, don't think the Packers figured it out. Uh, I, I'm not buying that at all. And I think the Titans defense, which we will again document in a minute, uh, <laughs> is quite real right now. And Vrabel is doing what Vrabel does find a way to get teams that you don't think should be winning, continually finding ways to win in whatever spot you put them in. Uh, and so Titans over the Packers, uh, and give me those numbers. And so that's where I'm at. And that will just be me extending my lead even further. How far up am I, Jay? I'm up by a lot. Uh, you're at plus 186, Moe's at plus 135.4, and I'm at minus 24.4. Are you guys both going 10 each? Yeah, I'll split them each. Yeah. Yeah. I thought okay. when you said Vrabel's going to do what Vrabel does, you were he was going to mismanage the clock at the end yeah. of regulation of the playoff game? <laughs> Is that what he's going to? Find a way to get his team to the playoffs despite oh, having Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. And then and then mismanage the clock and not be and aggressive then enough at the end the of regulation the of a regular. That's correct. Okay. Yes, we'll gotcha. talk about that next mm. week. Um, Mo, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, as always, for joining. I will see you this afternoon from 3 to 4 at the Moorline Logger House. I can't wait. See you guys. All right. Always great catching up with Mo. One last thing I wanted to make sure that we got to, Jay, uh, before – uh, we we flip it forward to defenses. We were talking about this earlier because you have stats on this, and it's it's kind of the same conversation of getting rid of the ball fast and in the evolution. But it's about specifically teams just are kind of done with the blitzing Joe Burrow situation. Yeah, because he's really good at it. I mean, they if they can get home, that that's part of this massive pile of sacks that have been building up on him, but it just doesn't happen as much anymore. And it's as much about Jamar chase and that threat as it is Joe Burrow. So we'll see while chase is out, if, if Pittsburgh does come out and more, but you look kind of what we said before first 35 games of a career, we could only go back to 2000 on this to, to look at blitz numbers, uh, qu- quarterback performance when blitzed, but Joe Burrow has the sixth best passer rating against the blitz among all quarterbacks since 2000. Uh, And the only ones he trails are Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson. And you're right. We've seen it. It, This year, the, the Bengals have been blitzed fewer times than any other team. It's happening only at 19 point. I'm sorry. It's happening at 16.5% of the time they're getting blitzed this year. Next lowest is the Buccaneers at 17.6. And if you go back to last year and do from the start of 2021, the Bengals are second fewest blitz at 19.9. Only the Chiefs 
at 19.3 because, again, you look at what the Chiefs had last year in Tyreek Hill, that explosive speed guy on the outside that can burn you if you do blitz. So it's it's the classic case of pick your poison with Joe Burrow. If you blitz him, he's going to eat you alive. And if you sit back and let him just read the defense and, and go where the ball needs to go, he's going to eat you alive. Uh, doesn't really matter how good your defense is. He's going to find a way to make completions. It's the only way you can beat them, and we've seen teams have the recipe. Your front four has to get home in a hurry. Mm-hmm. If you have that, if you can get the front four to get – which you can say that across this league, right? That's yeah. why those guys are all first-round picks, right? The edge rushers, the defensive tackles that can get after you, that's what it is. And the game management, coaching the game management of that is part of you know, him being able to hit the explosives off the blitzes and him understanding when to read it and check it down and all that stuff. And, and coaching that is such a huge part. That's why I wanted to make sure we get you the Dan Pitcher uh, conversation piece here, and that is Dan Pitcher – talking about dealing with coaching that and and seeing Burrow take steps in that and uh, in specifically uh, not forgetting to go get him when it's time to be a baller, as Brian Callahan said earlier. Is it hard to teach somebody who's played his whole life like Joe has? You're not trying to take that mentality out. You want that to stay, to know, to withdraw that and understand and understand the, the check down mentality and the importance of that. I mean, it's because it's just a game management yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it it's it's hard, but like you said, the biggest thing is you never want to take his take his stinger away. I mean, that's yeah, that's who he is, right? Yeah. So you that's that's the internal battle you fight as a coach of you know I can't I can't tell you you're wrong every time it doesn't work out, and then pat you on the butt and say great job when it does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. you have to be process oriented, and so that then it's just about trying to trying to communicate the importance of the big picture and yeah. the situation in the game. When is it the right time to make something happen versus yep. when is it the right time to get the ball out of my hand? Yeah. Um, and there's and, and even even with that conversation, there's not it's still not a not an exact science. It's you know a what feel, I, mean? I it's guess, a feel, right? Absolutely. And you just got and it's just reps. Correct. It's playing, yeah. Reps and getting a sense for how what how's this game going? Yeah. You know, how are they rushing? How are we doing up front? How what you know, what's the weather like? What's what's all those things come yeah. up? Like how, you know, how, what's the what's the crowd like it all comes into play. Sure. Um, and so that's that's I think the reps, guys that play into their third, fifth, eighth, fifteenth year. Like the more the the other stuff becomes second nature. What's my read? What, you know, what's my protection adjustment? Once that stuff goes on autopilot a little bit, yeah. that I think allows you to spend a little more mental energy on those other things that yeah. now let you be a better game manager and, and make you know big picture decisions. And so that's that just comes with experience. All right, great to hear from Dan Pitcher. All right, that's that's kind of fully recapping where we've been. Uh, let's talk about where this team and Joe Burrow is going and what's in front of them. I, I've got two different aspects of Burrow as we now look forward with Joe Burrow. And that is how does, you know, the evolution that we've talked about, what what is that? How does it change? Do How do defenses adjust to him? Uh, and, and what does that alter for things? Because guess what? He set himself up and we went through all those numbers uh, to, okay, I see what the league's doing. I'm playing some of the best quarterback in my life. Uh, and, but there has been some of it that has happened against some of the weaker defenses in the league. We'll now test that out. One of the best quarterbacks in football, playing well, figuring out what's happening, banking the reps, all that stuff. 
And here come some of the best defenses in the league and some of the defenses that have tortured him the most. Um, I looked, I just went to get kind of a recent snapshot of their opponents over the second half, Jay. And you look at points allowed per drive ranking just over the last five weeks, weeks five through 10 for the defenses. And here is who the Bengals, where the Bengals opponents rank. Uh, Pittsburgh this week is 19th. They have played the vast majority of that since the Bengals game without TJ Watt. That is notable. And they're 19th, but they did have five turnovers in week one. So no one's going to say that this is some matchup that they think they should cruise and put up a bunch of points on. Tennessee the next week, number one. Their defense is outstanding right now. And they were everything that befuddled the Bengals last year in the playoffs with the interior pass rush, Danico Autry and, and Jeffrey Simmons and those guys, uh, Tennessee's defense, outstanding. Kansas City is 16th. The fact they have an average defense with that insane offense yeah. right now tells you all you need to know about the way they're playing. Cleveland, 32nd, which sounds great until you know what happened on Monday Night Football, and this team went three scoreless quarters against them. Tampa Bay, 10th. New England, 2nd. Buffalo, 8th. Baltimore, 14th. And I'll add one more onto that list that's not on the schedule, Jay. You know who that is? The Bengals. 26th over the last five weeks. Now, there's some garbage time in there. Mm. We know what's happening at cornerback. Uh, More of this falls on Joe Burrow to do what Mo said, the analysis that Mo gave, to be the franchise quarterback and carry this team and do it against some of the best defenses in the league right now, playing some of the best football and some of the ones that have tortured him the most. That sets up, you know, quite an enticing second half of football where the storylines will be rampant uh, over the next two months. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Pittsburgh and where they are the last five weeks, and only one of those was with T.J. Watt. He changes things dramatically with him being back. And you, you just looking at overall defensive DVOA, I mean, Buffalo one, New England three. You got Tampa Bay seven, Baltimore 13, Pittsburgh 14. I mean, that's this is a gantlet. I mean, th- this is going to be really, really telling of, of what this offense is because do – you a couple of those teams, Kansas City, Buffalo in particular, Tampa Bay has picked it up. They've got offenses that can put the Bengals behind the way the Steelers and the the Cowboys did in those first two weeks. And can Joe stay the course? Can he stay patient and and take what's given and and show continue this evolution? Or is it is it gonna be literally not literally? I hate that. I take strike that literally is not what I mean, but put the team on his shoulder. And throw the ball over the all over the yard and try to win the game that way. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see because we knew this is what was going to happen. The the early part of the schedule was softer. The back part was much much harder, and they didn't build themselves the kind of cushion everyone expected. Five and four. It's you. Not calling for the must-win armband, anything like that, but there's there's gonna be some postseason feel to a lot of these games, uh, and it starts Sunday in Pittsburgh 
because you lose that one to go five and five overall, zero oh and four in the division. It, it, it things could get out of hand for you. You could play well the rest of the way and still not make it because they're already on the outside of the playoff picture looking in that would put them further out. Um, this is it's Burroughs team and it's, it's, it's Burroughs job to get them through this stretch. Yeah. I mean, get, get the six and four and then you'll have that seven game stretch uh, against all teams that are kind of mm. for the most part outside of Cleveland really are around you. That's what Zach Taylor said on Monday. Look, that was his message to the team. Look at the mm. standings. All the teams around us, above us, those are the teams that you get to go play. So you prove it. And you know what? That is the way it should be and the way they thrived last year. Mm-hmm. They thrived having to do it that way. It's this, it's a very similar setup. And if you're talking about playoff atmospheres, you're talking about playoff Joe Burrow. And you know what that means. I think that you know it sets up for him to return his name to the conversation. Or, or maybe not. And that's that's the beauty of the game, man. Is is you you define your own legacy in this league, and you can have a chance to go do it again. And it, all the pieces are set up around them, especially once number one comes back uh, and 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 can join him there. Um, th- there was a there's another um, from Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap tweeted out. It was one of these one of these grids that has your offense and defense, but it is. It's offense scoring versus the average on of opponents on your schedule. So how you did above the average of all your opponents on offense and defense. And there's only a few teams in the top right corner, which is above average for both offense and defense. The Bengals being amongst those. Ravens uh, are are far up there. Bills, of course. You have the Jets, who they who they beat. Um, those are the AFC teams. Of course, Kansas City isn't. It has the offense so far above everyone. It doesn't even matter if their defense has been lower, but. The defenses they're facing are almost all up on the top half outside of Kansas City, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh, who I mentioned, and we, we went through why that is. They're, every way you look at it, it's just it's it's going to be a test for just how far ahead Joe Burrow has gone and how much he can be the one to win those games. But remember those stats we gave to you. Quarterbacks who are in the top five in things like EPA per dropback, adjusted net yards per attempt, Passer rating, interception percentage, turnover-worthy play percentage, all being amongst the best in the NFL, they don't lose many games. They just don't. That's what this league is. When you have elite top-five quarterback play, the rest of it does not matter as much. Now, it matters. It's a part of the pie. But when you've got that, you know you'll be right there. Um, and, And that's such a big part of where they are going forward all right that's looking at what the rest of the season looks like that is on burrow's plate let's dive in let's let's take a look at the film and that was our good friend jt o'sullivan i don't know if he's our good friend i didn't talk to jt o'sullivan in a long time i don't know why i said that uh but jt o'sullivan um does this type of scouting film breakdown analysis former nfl quarterback former Bengals backup quarterback um and I asked him if he'd be interested in taking a dive into Joe Burrow, and he said he would. And uh, so I wanted to talk to him about what he saw, what he thinks about Burrow's game, and, and some of the evolution. Um, for those of you watching here on YouTube, this will be up on the YouTube feed uh, later. Uh, we're recording this in a little bit. Uh, but for those of you listening on the podcast, here's JT O'Sullivan. JT, you know, I got to tell you, I have been covering the Bengals for 13 seasons 
which means we actually crossed paths when I was a young, very younger version of myself, as were you, uh, back in the 09-10 camp time with the Bengals, the end of Carson Palmer's run where you were where you were with the Bengals. Yeah, that was a fun season if you were there in 09. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was good. We uh, we were rolled through that division pretty good. Didn't end great, but it uh, it was a fun year. That was a fun group of players, to be honest with you, too. Yeah, and the t- the 10 camp was the TO camp, which was one of the most insane training camps I've been around still to this day with this team. Really? What was crazy about it? I don't even remember. Uh, T.O. T.O. joined and Chad, they're not used to like that kind of uh, madness that surrounded the T.O. Cho show and all this stuff. It went, it soon went downhill after that. uh, (laughs) I mean, those guys sat behind me in meetings and uh, there were some interesting conversations to say the least, but uh, (laughs) it was a, it was a fun quarterback room. It was a fun offense to be honest with you. I enjoyed my time in Cincinnati. Well, those of us that were forced for our jobs to watch the T. Ocho show uh, on a weekly basis can say that it was interesting conversations that we we dreaded every week having to please don't please don't say anything we have to write a news story about, you know, <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, but we have you here to talk about Joe Burrow because uh, we're doing the Burrow sode here, which is just kind of taking stock of where he's at. If you guys don't know about the work that JT is doing, I highly recommend you hop on it. The QB school on YouTube is incredible. 171,000 followers. You can join all of them. There is so much content up there if you are into the NFL quarterback play, stuff like what's practice squad like, how to throw a spiral, stuff as simple as that. And then millions of X's and O's, QB breakdowns, QB school courses, Tons of great stuff up there. I highly recommend checking out JT's page if you are into, uh, you know, quarterback play at all or just the NFL. And uh, most of you, I imagine, are great. Congratulations on everything you've done there, JT. It's been awesome. Well, well, I appreciate the kind words. I really do have a lot of fun with it, and it makes it seem like it's a lot when you start rattling off every single one like that. But it's it's really just whatever the hell I find interesting and enjoy sharing and kind of go down deep rabbit holes. So it's it's fun. Uh, make sure you're following uh, the underscore QB underscore school on Twitter. If Twitter's still alive as you're listening to this, I'm not sure if it's exploded yet, but uh, uh, JT underscore O'Sullivan on Twitter. Make sure you're following all that stuff or check out the Patreon page. Let's talk about this, JT. Let's just open it up generally. You've been watching Burrow since he's coming to the league along with all the rest of their quarterbacks. Has anything stood out to you about his evolution this year in compared to who he's been his first couple years in the league? I mean, I, I don't necessarily think if anything jumps out either negatively or positively. I, I feel like Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, he's exactly what I think a lot of people anticipated him being coming into the league. Now, is it perfect all the time? No. Do we, do you have issues all over the place? Maybe, maybe not all over the place, but when you're out there and you don't have all your weapons with you and you feel like, you know, you might not have the greatest pass protection in the world, it's not always going to be perfect. But for what Joe Burrow does, as far as being a polished, precise, accurate quarterback that can create and has kind of that like vibe, it factor around him as well. You know, that's exactly what it is. It's fun to see him kind of come into his own and just flourish. There was something you said in the Atlanta breakdown, which I, for people that want to go back and enjoy that game, I, I recommend it. That I think is true, obviously, across everything Burrow does, but it doesn't get talked about enough. And you said he might be the best to ever do this about the back shoulder throws. And it's, 
partly, I think it often gets chalked up to his chemistry with Chase, but he does it to ev- with everybody, whether it's, you know, the slot fade back shoulders, or Higgins, boy, whatever. What, what do you notice about the way that he does that that makes it so unique that he seems to be so good at that? Well, I mean, I would even add, I think I've seen him do it to running backs this year, yeah. which I don't know if I've ever seen anyone else do. <laughs> uh, I think it's a combination of of a number of his kind of best attributes, the precision that he's able to control the ball with. So the accuracy, the the consistency of the ball placement and the trust that he has on with those guys on the perimeter. And it's it's a combination of those things and just the ability. It's one of those great throws that you can really throw people open. So it's one of those things. If you don't necessarily have great pass protection all the time, it's a big chunk play that can come out on time in rhythm, not necessarily holding on to it and seeing someone come open. So he's got that great anticipation. You couple it with the accuracy, with the relationships that he's got with some of those guys on the perimeter, and just the fact that he's got unbelievable ball control and being able to be so consistent with his mechanics and be so polished with his base and his upper half as far as that stroke, being able to just put it exactly where you want. It's almost like shooting a free throw for him. You... um. This is this is a stat that uh, you might not be aware of. It's very obscure, but we like obscure stats here. Uh, he, you know, he obviously just taken a bunch of hits, and a lot has been talked about the line and protection and the accumulation of those hits over the first three years. Uh, you in two thousand eight took thirty two sacks through your first nine games, uh, which is tied with Joe Burrow uh, for most sacks. It's twenty eighth all time most sacks taken through a first nine games. You guys had the same type of season. You know what it's like to take punishment as a quarterback in the NFL and how that affects you. How how does how is that the case? How challenging is it to fight through when that has happened to you in your career? And how have you seen maybe Burrow deal with that as he's now progressed going forward into year three? Well, I think it's an ongoing process for him. If I'm being honest, when I turn on the film, uh, it does impact you absolutely, whether it's your internal time clock, just trying to get the ball out, being conscious of the fact that, hey, maybe I don't necessarily have two or three hitches every single time I drop back to be able to get the ball where I want, you know, maybe get the ball down to your check down a little bit faster, you play a little bit faster, but also just the physical toll of it. I can remember feeling, you know, a little bit like a rag doll where I was like, geez, I wish I had a little bit more, you know, uh, more on me to be able to kind of withstand some of this punishment. And it's not just the sacks, it's hitting the ground. It's, it's any of those types of plays where you just over the course of the entire season or half of a season, those things build up and your body feels it no matter how well you take care of yourself. And so I think it does impact it. I think the answer or the potential solutions for those types of things are not just in Joe Burrow's hands. And that that's kind of the complicated part of it or the complex part of it where it's it does depend on the play calling. It does depend on the people around you. But at the same time, I don't think Joe Burrow is ever going to stop trusting his guys on the perimeter or his guys up front. And so everybody kind of has to elevate their game to be able to help take some of those, the aggregate of all those hits off Joe Burrow. What What is the next step when you watch him? You know, he's he's elite right now. I mean, all, he, his efficiency numbers are through the through the roof through the last two years, taking the team to the Super Bowl, but there's obviously still steps that he can take in his game when you when you break it down and look at it. What do what do you see about what the next level is for him? I mean, I I see 
so much to love and like, you know, it's hard. You, you almost feel silly kind of nitpicking certain <laughs> things. I, I really do think he probably, if I was being the most critical I possibly would be in, probably wouldn't even be this way in the quarterback meeting room is he just probably hasn't been as precise as consistently as I would probably love for him to be and think that he probably has the capacity to be. And really that's just because he set the bar so high. And so there are little throws where you would anticipate maybe a little bit better ball location on throws that aren't necessarily contested tight NFL window throws more that are, hey, can we get that ball into a better location so our back or our tight end can have a little bit more flexibility to to make something happen after the catch. But that's really it. You know, if you coupled that with maybe potentially trying to get the ball out of your hands a little bit faster. But again, to me, the vast majority of that time, that comes from the play call and the protection and the perimeter all kind of being in sync and winning at the same time. So I think he's playing at such a high level because, and the reason why I think he does this is because he's so polished. His He's got no wasted movement. Even in his pocket movement, his lower half is so efficient. His stroke is so consistent. It's just a pleasure to watch, if I'm being honest. You... One thing that we've talked about on this episode was in, in Brian Callahan and Dan Pitcher, quarterbacks coach, have talked about with us was, you know, the evolution of him this year partially was he's so now comfortable in understanding all the X's and O's of exactly what he needs to do with every play. You can think more situationally and understand when to be a baller, when to take the check down and do that so quickly and so much faster. You're seeing that develop in his game. How hard is that? as a quarterback to do. And I mean, it seems like some guys maybe don't always get there and, and, and how important can that be, you know, in, when you start playing these games into December and January and in the playoffs, you know, it's so much about situational football in, in the Bengals kind of hanging on through a real gauntlet of a schedule. Yeah. I mean, situational ball is such an important critical factor in the league, you know, whether it's, you know, the last couple of minutes of the half, those types of things that you get to see every single week, how critical most of these one possession games are. I think you just get more comfortable, better, more intentional with those times. And whether it's knowing, Hey, you know, I can get this myself or, Hey, I know I got to get the ball out because we're hot. I think the thing that I've really liked to see from Joe Burrow and I have seen even in the last, you know, two weeks is and I, and I always look for it in all quarterbacks, but the kind of the evolution of the toolbox that they're allowed to operate within and the structure of that. And so when you see him at the line of scrimmage and they're in empty and it looks like they're going to get pressure and he brings a wide receiver in to block the edge and get the ball out hot, those types of things, th- those are great moments of growth for any quarterback. And to see someone do it where he's at in his career and the little time he's been in the league and be able to operate like that at the line of scrimmage. Those are the types of things when you start seeing, man, this dude's got all the tools, the toolbox is full. He can get to them at any time in any situation that he's just going to flourish as he gets more and more comfortable doing that. I'm not here to have you rank anything like that, but I mean, we, we, for you, I mean, do you view him? I know Mike Sando had the tears and, Tier one, the execs had him up there. Is is that a no no doubt, no brainer? Tier one, Joe Burrow for you at this point? Yeah, I don't know what the hell that stuff means. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. I'll put it this way. I would love to have Joe Burrow for the quarterback of my team. You know, I don't yep. know if that's tier one, two, zero, tier zero, tier whatever. You know, there yeah. are guys that have different skill sets than he has, but I don't think there's anybody who's necessarily playing the position that much better than Joe Burrow has been since he's come into the league. Yeah. 
JT, I really appreciate your time and your analysis. And seriously, anybody uh, that wants to understand the position, understand football, just loves football at all, please go check out um, JT's page on YouTube, the QB School. Follow along everywhere. Incredible stuff in there. I look forward to continuing to go through it as the year goes on. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it, Paul. That was fun. All right. Great catching up with JTO Sullivan. Let's um let's flip forward here, Jay. Uh we've talked so much about Joe Burrow. Uh we've we've gone all in. Let's take a break. Let's just let's take a break for a second. Because in, you know what you like to do when it's time to take a break, Jay? Go to Arby's. Go to Arby's. <laughs> In our case, we're going to go to any related Bengals insight extras and stories, otherwise known as Arby's. Jay, do you have any Arby's for us this week? What do you got? I do. We have a controversy brewing. Um, mm. For for those of you, and I, if you haven't, I, I strongly encourage you to go listen to last week's podcast we did with Mike Thomas, the Bengals safety. He was fantastic on so many different topics, but one of them – you know, when Paul and I were talking about doing this, it's like, I want to ask him about that orange car. That He's got a sweet car that's always parked out there. And for people that don't know, the it's based on seniority or maybe in Joe Burrow's case on importance to the team because Burrow has one of the, the – he's only been here three years, but he has one of the best parking spots. Mike Thomas has been in the league for a long time. He's got the one right next to Joe Burrow. There's always this really sweet orange car. And he told us, that's not mine. I don't even have a car. I walk to work. That's BJ Hills. So in the course of talking to BJ Hill yesterday about the importance of DJ readers return, when I wrapped up, I was like, Hey, what's the story with that car? When'd you get it? He's like, that's not mine. That's Mike Thomas's. He's like, Mike said that was <laughs> yours. He's like, no. He's like, that's, he's like, I got a truck. I can't fit in a car like that. I was like, well, why did he's like, you better go ask him. He's fibbing to you. That's his car. So now, and I did not get a chance to go back to Mike yesterday. So, uh, mission number one on Wednesday is going to be find out why Mike Thomas fibbed to us or why BJ Hill is wrong. And whose orange sports car is that man? We will continue to follow this story. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. Why they're, why every? I always assume everyone's lying to us, but it's but nice to that. finally catch them in one at some point. Yeah, it's a weird. <laughs> it's a weird. It's a weird thing to to make a comment about. Um, I, I like that. Um, okay, so here's here's one that I have. This is something that uh, came along during the course of the reporting I did for the halftime story just talking to a number of different, any different people. And there were some people that I didn't, I just was joking. One point Duke Tobin was walking through the locker room as I was talking with another reporter, I think about some of the funny answers that I had been getting with halftime. And I turned to Duke and I said, Hey Duke, what do you do at halftime? And uh, he's, he says, uh, well, he, he sits up in the booth uh, with the coaches and scouts, and he he kind of laughed, and he goes, "I sit there. Everyone leaves, <laughs> and I wait for the halftime to be over. Then they come back. <laughs> That's it." He's like, "I was like, I don't think I'm gonna include that in the story. It's not very interesting." He's like, "Yeah, no, I sit there and I wait. I wait wait for them to come back. That's it. I just sit there." I just love the idea of like this whole booth is full and bustling and all of a sudden everyone swooshes out and he just sits there and twiddles his thumbs. Uh, it just, I don't know why it just made me laugh. Uh, it cracked me up, but 
And so that was my my little story on some of the, the background, some of the reporting of the halftime stuff, which was hysterical. Um, all right, Jay, we have run past your boots. Yeah. We have two Joe Burrow run past your boots uh, here. Run past your boot. I'll start with this one. What does Joe Burrow end up leading the league in? Passing yards, passer rating, touchdown passes. Now, he is not there, and in in fact, a decent amount, a little bit off uh, on all three of these categories. What do you think? Um, I'm going to run with yards because he's the closest there. He's fourth in the league right now. And one of the guys ahead of him is Brady, who's had an extra game. Brady had, hasn't had his buy yet. So I, I I think that's his best chance to, especially because we, we talked about, we don't know if the Green Bay is for real. I don't know if this Bengals run game is for real. If what we saw against Carolina is going to be a, a trend or if that was a blip, if it is going to be Joe Burrow carrying the team on his right arm. So I'm, I'm going to run with passing yards. I'm going to boot the hell out of passer rating because Tua is at 118 right now and the next closest guy is 108. And yeah, Tua could fall back to the pack some, but uh, it doesn't feel like anybody's going to catch that guy. So um, my pass will be touchdown passes. He's seven behind Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that's a lot to overcome. Um, you you could he's He's got... Um, I think six rushing touchdowns already this year. Joe Mixon is when they do get down in the red zone, they do try to pound it in with him. So that, that could take away some of his opportunities. Kansas City just doesn't seem to have much of a run game at all. So it's going to be really hard to catch Mahomes. Um, I, I think you have to run with yards and then pass on touchdown passes and, and boot passer rating. Yeah, touchdown passes is going to be a hard one for him to overcome just because, I mean, the way the dudes sling it and put up points at the mm-hmm. top. We're talking about Mahomes and Allen. I mean, it's like that's a hard one to overcome the distance that currently exists. As much as I like the concept of that, I do think that number is going to pop up. There's a reason I went on the over on that. I, I do think you're going to see that. However, um, I'm with you. I think yards – Running with yards is the way to go, and and booting passer rating because of the Tua factor. Um, you're really you're you're talking about health, and maybe Tua wouldn't qualify if if he were to get banged up, which is something that has happened to him in his career. He's had the concussion thing this year. You know, is will he be able to get through the rest of the season and hit the qualifying number on that? It's probably the only way that he doesn't uh, <laughs> end up leading the league in passer rating when you consider the way that their offense is going right now. They have a Pretty special feel to them. Uh, all right. Second run passer boot here, Jay. Higher number over the last eight games for Joe Burrow. Interceptions. Games the Bengals lose by double digits. Games with five or more sacks. Now, we documented a little bit to you the weeks three through 10 since they've kind of gotten things centered up. Uh, he's only thrown two picks over that span. So perhaps if that trend, if that continues, what are you talking about? Two, three, four interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, when I said six picks at the beginning of the season and he threw four in week one, I'm thinking, well, I look like an idiot. The Burrow who he's been since then is who I thought he was going to be this year. Take that step to be that guy who mitigates the disaster, doesn't have those turnovers. We've documented the win-loss splits. When the Saxon turnovers come, they lose. 
when he when they play clean, they win. Uh, and a lot of that comes back to the pressure stuff. So this is this is kind of an interesting one. There's a lot of different directions you can go when you consider those defenses and pass rushers they're going to see in the second half. What do you got, Jay? I got a hot take. What? I've got a hot take. I'm gonna I'm gonna run with interceptions because I think the other two are both zero. They will wow. not lose a game by double digits, and they will not have a sack a game where they give up five or more sacks. So maybe he only throws one interception the rest of the way, but that's still the run because I just don't see. I mean, the games that you think where they could get blown out, the the better teams they play, the the Ravens, the Bills, the Chiefs, they're all at home. I, I just I don't see it happening. I if if this team doesn't get beat by double digits a lot anyhow, and with with this being, you know, the the stretch run and when Burrow's really good, just don't see it happening. And and maybe maybe Pittsburgh with Watt back finds a way. Um but but even that I, I just I don't. I can't I, I think they've fixed the protection enough. I think the line is gonna only get better the the more that that cohesion and camaraderie grows and they get used to each other. Yeah, we're halfway through the season, but it's there's still room for improvement there. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with interceptions and I'm gonna co boot uh double digit losses and five or more sacks. Wow, co boots. This is <laughs> rare. Um I, you know, their line staying healthy, particularly on the interior, is important, specifically Ted Karras. Yeah. I, I continue to, you know, if you're knocking on wood about something on offense, I just, you know, he has been such a leader, so important to them stabilizing there. Um, and the drop-off would be so dramatic if you had to go to Trey Hill that you worry about something happening there at more than any of those positions. And, and the other ones would have fall off too, but Akeem Adenogy's shown okay. Sharpering has played, right, if you have to put him in at guard. Um, and so maybe there's – but Karras just feels like you worry about that, and that could end up opening up the sacks returning and seeing mm-hmm. things like that. Um, that said, I, I, I do th- – I think they'll lose a the game by double digits. I think he'll – have a game where he has five or more sacks where they they do have to kind of come from behind. He pat their passing or they want to. There's some great pass rushers coming up. Um, that said, I'm with you. I I will run with ints, but I think they're all very small numbers. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we can come back and reference it. I'll try to hit it on the head. I will say three picks by Joe Burrow, uh, going forward. It's the the rest of these last eight games. Uh, I will say they lose. They have two games where there are five or more sacks, and they'll lose one game by double digits, I guess. That's going to be my my 3-2-1 run, pass, or boot on this one when we're getting into the predictive element of Joe Burrow's second half of the season. Can I have to add some columns to my Excel spreadsheet? Yes. For specific guesses. Extra credit predictions. Right? <laughs> That's what we're going for. All right. Jay, this has been fun. It's a little different. Yeah. I hope people appreciate this. Uh, s- Sunday. 425 in Pittsburgh, Bengals Steelers. Um, on the YouTube channel, uh, the JT O'Sullivan interview will be up. If you uh, enjoyed the JT O'Sullivan interview, you've already listened to it. Congratulations. Good interview, huh? If you want to watch it, <laughs> you can go watch it on the YouTube channel. Uh, and then, Jay, you will have our conversation with our Steelers writer, friend of the program, foe to the comments section, Mark Caboli. <laughs> Uh, who we love catching up with. Uh, We'll have that, of course, on Thursday's episode and dive into all things 
Bengals, Steelers this weekend. Looking forward to that. And then we'll both be in Pittsburgh uh, this weekend and have the walkout and everything for you from Akrashore Stadium. I don't like that. No, I don't either. The artist formerly known as Hines. Still going there. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will uh, talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. 